Good morning and welcome to the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. We're a spiritual community dedicated to the free search for truth and meaning. We're very glad you're here. I extend a special welcome to those of you visiting with us this morning. If you have questions about this congregation or about Unitarian Universalism, please don't hesitate to ask the people at the visitor table, and they will do their best to help you. We come from a long heritage of teaching that there's a spark of the divine in everyone, and so we greet the divine in our midst on Sunday mornings by turning to the person on our right and on our left and welcoming them here. Let us say together the words by which we light our chalice, which is the symbol of our faith. Love is the spirit of this church, and service is its law. This is our great covenant to dwell together in peace, to seek the truth in love, and to help one another. Good morning. Our call to worship this morning is by the poet Rabindranath Tagore. Let me not pray to be sheltered from dangers, but to be fearless in facing them. Let me not beg for the stilling of my pain, but for the heart to conquer it. Let me not look for allies in life's battlefield, but to my own strength. Let me not crave an anxious fear to be saved, but hope for the patience to win my freedom. Grant that I might not be a coward feeling your mercy in my success alone, but let me find the grasp of your hand in my failure. You can know what is important to this congregation by looking at its mission, which we wrote on the wall. We say it together every Sunday. We gather in community to nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice. Our meditation reading today is by Frederick Bickner. Grace is something you can never get but can only be given. There's no way to earn it or deserve it or bring it about any more than you can deserve the taste of raspberries and cream or earn good looks, or bring about your own birth. A good sleep is grace, and so are good dreams. Most tears are grace. The smell of rain is grace. Somebody loving you is grace. This is the time in our service when we breathe together in an attitude of meditation and prayer, where we speak to God as we understand God, or where we listen to our inner wisdom, or just follow our breath as it goes in and out of our bodies. Ralph Waldo Emerson, one of our forebears, called this the wise silence. Let us enter into the wise silence together, understanding that in this congregation, noises of life and small baby noises count as part of the silence. I have a friend who has a sign in her kitchen, the rules. And these are they. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you unlock it, lock it up. If you break it, admit it. If you can't fix it, call someone who can. If you borrow it, return it. If you value it, take care of it. If you make a mess, clean it up. If you move it, put it back. If it belongs to someone else, get permission to use it. If you don't know how to operate it, then leave it alone. If it's none of your business, don't ask questions. 
And I think these are very fine rules. These are very fine rules. However, and I've got a however brain. I don't know if y'all do or not. Every time I hear something, I'm thinking, however, life is so much more organic than that. And there are so many chances to not keep those rules perfectly. And if you just lived according to those rules, both literally and metaphorically, you would be, by the time you were 15, I imagine, trailing, trailing clouds of unfinished projects and broken promises and messes uncleaned up and broken things unfixed. Like Jacob Marley with the chains, you'd be walking through life trailing debts. And that just sounds miserable. So I think the way that life retains its beauty is that there are people around you who give you room to mess up. That there is grace in relationships where someone says, I know you opened this, but I'll close it for you. I, one of my favorite spiritual teachers I keep telling you is Byron Katie, and she, um, she's not bothering me, don't worry about it. Um, and she said she spent so much energy when her children were little saying, put your socks in the laundry basket, not near the laundry basket, in the laundry basket. I was a couples counselor for many years, and I had a client who was so frustrated with her husband for not making it into the laundry basket with his clothes that one night she just nailed everything to the floor that was on the floor. I don't recommend that for long-term relationships. Um, anyway, uh, this spiritual teacher, Byron Katie said, I finally realized that having no socks on the floor was my religion. That was my religion. It wasn't their religion. And so I thought if I hate socks on the floor so much, I'm going to pick them up from the floor. So that was her one, um, decision. I'm not saying it was the right one because who knows? Maybe she raised children who then became the spouses who left their stuff all over the place. But I think grace is when people give you a little room to mess up. When they, when they forgive that terrible thing that you said. Or they say kind things to you when you really deserve a talking to. And I'm going to call this Grace for today because I'm talking about grace and I'm out of the Christian paradigm of grace. I mean, I grew up in the Protestant Christian paradigm where grace is God's energy to reach out to you and to love you, even though you don't deserve it. I found that depressing. I, I was a pretty good person and I kept thinking, and even all during seminary, I kept asking my Presbyterian colleagues in seminary, because Presbyterians really do jump up and down hard on this, you are a worthless, miserable wretch thing. And I was like, but I'm not a wretch. I really, I'm a good person. I do, I do pretty good. I'm just, how does this work again? 
I don't want to be loved in spite of who I am. I want to be loved because I'm fabulous. God can't see that with the little rose-colored glasses. I don't know. But I grew up in that paradigm of grace, and I'm outside the Christian paradigm now. So what's grace now? And I think grace comes to us in um, different areas. It's, uh, it's from other people. Like I said, when people forgive you or when they, when they clean up something that you messed up and they don't lord it over you about it. I think it also comes from nature and also from the divine or the cosmos or the universe. So many of us have felt those little tiny gifts of grace from the universe. Um, grace is defined as an unearned gift and a surprising gift. And I think the universe gives us little graces personifying the universe here that may drive you crazy, you don't know. But when you make, uh, I've heard so many Unitarian Universalists say, I experience God as the connection between and among people. And so I think that that is grace. When you're sitting at a dinner with somebody or you're on the phone with somebody or you're on a bus with somebody um, going to an action in San Antonio, say, or you're at coffee hour with somebody and you talk to them and you, and you hear yourself saying something that surprises you with its depth or wisdom or humor and you think, where did that come from? And, uh, or they say something to you and you say, oh, I never heard it put that way. And you decide that maybe y'all are kindred spirits or um, this, I think, this kind of spark and a connection is, is grace. And sometimes just a feeling of delight is grace. Some of us were talking about how driving home in the snow the other night felt like grace. I mean, to me, driving home and seeing snowflakes through the dark feels, it just makes life fancy. I was having a terrible time in college. I used to have a bad time every spring, right, going up to Easter, and then it would dissipate. And I think it's because we, um, I had traumatic church experiences on Easter because we had to go so many times that day. Until I was, when I was about 14, I locked myself in the bathroom and I said, I am not going to church one more time today. And um, anyway, my mother and my Aunt Mabel were outside the door of the bathroom, alternately threatening and pleading. But you know, teenagers, it doesn't work. So I was feeling down in college and I um, was just kind of dragging myself over to campus. And I saw this squirrel running along the edge of a rock wall, just running along the top of it. And the squirrel just was having a good time and stopped and kind of flicked its tail like, whoa. <laughs> and I got this bubble of delight that came up through me and I thought, oh, okay, I can live. Uh, I, I wasn't thinking of dying, but I, I thought I could live without this mood. Um, and it was, you know, I've seen hundreds of squirrels before. And I've seen hundreds of squirrels run along rock walls before, but this particular squirrel on this particular wall on this particular afternoon healed something in me. That is a grace note. That is a beautiful little twirl that life gave me. Quick, find a squirrel. 
So we a lot of times get surprised by gifts we don't deserve, and we get spoken to by music, and we get spoken to by something that we read, or a song on the radio just hits that right spot, and we go, and something changes for us. But we like to put things together in a way that makes sense. You know, when I was feeling bad, I would say, what is the reason for this mood? And I think the cure probably has something to do with the reason. And so you follow the reason to the cure. But, you know, it doesn't always work like that. Sometimes the cure for this thing is a star or jello or Swedish meatballs. I don't know. It's just mysterious what is attached and, and, and connected to what else. And we like to think that there's a reason for our success, that we are, if we have a success, it's because we did it well. And if we have a failure, it's because we did something wrong. But it's, it's not like that all the time. In the Rabindranath Tagore reading, he says, it's cowardly only to see God's hand in your successes. And then you have to open your eyes and see God's mercy in your failures. I still don't know what he means, but I'm going to think about it. I know it's important. Because a lot of time, failure is what knocks you onto the path you were supposed to be on. When you were on a different path, you were sure of it, you were certain of it. Your mom said it was good, your dad said it was good. Everybody nodded in approval. And yet, here you are finding yourself on this other path that's a mystery. How did I get here? I um, grew up reading G.K. Chesterton books called The Princess and the Goblin. And in this one of the book series of books, She's in a cave. The princess is in a cave, and she can't um, find her way. And so she puts out her hand, and she finds a thread that is along the side of the cave, and she keeps her finger on it, and she can find her way. And as long as she keeps her finger on it, it's fine. And I felt like, really, I was guided like that a lot in my life. I just knew where I was supposed to go next. But then the thread, I had been married 14 years, and I was... It was not working for me. And um, the thread went this way toward ending the marriage. And I just stood there for three years going, I can't, can't do that. I can't do that. But I couldn't go anywhere else either or I would lose the thread. You know what I mean? So finally I, I had to do what felt right to do. Even though I wasn't sure, still I'm not sure that it was the right... I know I'm not sure if it was the right thing for my children. I know it was for me. And sometimes you're in the middle of something and you, you chose it. You're the heir of your actions. You are born from your actions like we talked about last Sunday. And you are living out the consequences of your actions. And yet sometimes it's time to take another action to mitigate the consequences of that action. But you're not sure what's the right thing to do? And you're at a crossroad or you have a, an unexpected setback and you think, well, I have no idea. 
I have no idea what to do. And we have to be willing to just do our best with the information that we have and trust grace for the rest. Trust grace meaning undeserved, unexpected gifts that come from somewhere who knows where to make beauty in life again. And I think about it like walking through our lives and there are all these little presents that are wrapped in glittery paper and they're uh, scattered across the path, but sometimes we're so certain or we're so hurried or we're so righteous or we're so together that we don't even open our eyes and see the presence. But sometimes when we're in trouble or sometimes when we find ourselves open and feeling safe, we can look and see the gifts of grace that are there and open them up and name them grace. Luck is one thing. It's kind of random, but grace feels like a gift. I have a friend who um, is a breast cancer survivor, and she was having her, what she calls her traumaversary of her diagnosis. And she had to have another mammogram to see if she was still clear. Cried all day, because that day is hard. I don't know how many of you know that. That day is a hard day. And she went and she said there were so many moments of grace that day. The tech who pretended not to see her weeping and the waiter at the restaurant that she went to for lunch afterwards, she said to him, I'm having a really bad day. And he gave her her meal for free and dessert too. And she had many moments of grace that day. I love hearing about stories like that. And I think maybe we can ask ourselves, what kind of grace do I need? Do I need a, a beauty kind of grace or a forgiveness kind of grace? Or do I just need a surprise? Do I need something to knock me off dead center and get me alive again? Do I need a new thought to help me evolve? What kind of grace do I need? And I want to ask you to think of yourself as an agent of grace. Say we have a secret organization. I thought uh, for a moment this week about writing out what would an acronym grace be for our secret organization. But then I decided that was too cheesy and I wasn't going to do it. But if you're a secret agent of grace, doesn't that change the way you walk around in the world thinking, what kind of grace does this person need? How could I help? How could I be grace? Can I close something somebody else opened? Can I clean up something somebody else messed up? Can I, can I forgive someone? Can I say something kind instead of something stern, snarky? Snark is hard to give up, and I'm not asking you to. I'm just saying once in a while. Once in a while, think of yourself as an agent of grace and a part of the universe's conspiracy of benevolence. Say with me the words by which we extinguish our chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, 
or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. peace after this. This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.